This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Welcome! You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 107, covering the new comic books that we read that came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, May 17th. And this particular podcast has been drowned in the black hole sun. Won't you come <laughs> wash away the rain? I am your host, Chris Latori, and joining us, my trusty crime-fighting sidekick, Justin, I am Jables Latori. How you doing, Jables? <laughs> I am all right. My voice is a little bit better. Uh, hopefully, I won't be struggling this episode. So you're not as as Chris Stapleton-y as last one, as last one hundred six. Yeah, I don't sound as much like Batman anymore. Um, I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, so you don't have to endure that crap anymore. So. <laughs> I'm glad we've we've lozenged up and we're ready to give it to you. <laughs> Here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, thank you so much for joining us. You are listening to us here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where we recommend to you an amazing list of fresh new comic books to read that come out every single week. Never miss an issue of Sunspots Comics Podcast. Just subscribe to it, and please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Xbox Live. Facebook. Facebook. (laughs) At Sunspots Comics. That's where you can find us. And check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash tofilat. And really what this is all about, if you want to hear someone talk about new comic books and how much they love them, then this definitely, this Sunspots Comics podcast is for you. Or maybe you actually are brand new to comic books. You want to jump in. You want to get started. You want to walk into a shop and not be so intimidated with the 48,310 comics you can read. Then that's what this podcast is for, to kind of tell you what the what the most awesome new stuff is so you can go out and get it. Or if you've just been reading since the dawn of existence, since the dinosaurs, like myself, and you want to save some time and save some cash and just have somebody tell you what the best stuff is, then you've reached, you're at the right place. That's what the Sunspots Comics Podcast is for. Right, Jables? Hell yeah. Oh, gee, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> So, a couple of thank yous. Thank you, of course, to Nick Papa George for making our amazing Sunspots Comics theme song. Check him out. He's a great musician. Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. 
And also thank you, thank you to Justin. Thank you to my son Jables for doing his work on our blog. You can check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com and follow him on Instagram at just sunspots twitter too so what's coming up in the blogosphere uh well i mean i sort of ditched the logan it's too late <laughs> um uh I, I i was thinking of doing guardians yeah one guardians and wonder woman all right good. maybe alien we were gonna go see alien tonight so maybe i'll throw that on there the covenant of aliens that's right we're gonna check that out well, thank you so much for doing it. Again, check out our blog at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And also, right now, yes, it's free comic book time. That's right. Get ready. Are you ready, Justin? <laughs> That's the ready sound. <laughs> so I'm actually giving away a free comic book digitally. All you got to do is grab this code I'm about to read to you, and you will get for free Star Wars. <laughs> Do it raspy way. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> You're going to get um, Star Wars Poe Dameron, issue number four. He has to find Lore Santeca. He's looking for him. He's an old man, but he's really hard to find. Will he find him? And also that villain, the new villain, Terex, is like hot on his trail. Is Terex going to find him? Is he going to find Lore Santeca? Well, we know already in episode seven he does. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a hard old man to find. But uh, it's written by Charles Soule. It's art by Phil Noto. So the first one to go out to grab this, go to marvel.com, take this code I'm about to read to you, will get Star Wars Poe Dameron for free. Just as a thank you for listening to our podcast. So good luck. Here is the code. Listen in carefully. It's F as in Frank, C as in Charlie, M as in Mary, 7, K as in Kangaroo, Z as in Zebra, 3, 6, X as in X-Ray, Z as in Zebra, 4, Q as in Queen. So read it to him fast, Justin. F-C-M-7-K-Z-3-6-X-Z-4-Q. Boom. So come and get it. The first person to grab that code, punch it into marvel.com slash redeem. You will win Star Wars Poe Dameron. And there are some old ones that have not been claimed yet. So if you're listening to old podcasts or you go back into the feed, you still have a chance. And of course, let us know if you win because... Because then, it, you know, it's easier for everybody else to... You know, no, not to try it. <laughs> and also, you know, we'll shout you out. You know, we'll give you a little uh, shout a Rooney. Shout a Rooney. That's what it's officially <laughs> called here at Sunspots Comics. <laughs> so also, don't forget, follow us on Instagram at Sunspots Comics because every now and then I do throw out more codes for free just for you because I don't use them. I prefer the paper codes. Because we're nice people. We're nice people. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics podcast issue number 107, starting out with some stuff. Floating around in our nerd brains, yes. There's a ton of stuff floating up in there, right, Jabes? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's a, it's a fun-filled week, you know? A lot our, of news. Our lobes are loaded. So the first thing in my brain is Wonder Woman. It comes out June 2nd. I actually have my tickets for June 1st. The 7 o'clock show in IMAX 3D. Patsy and I are going to go see it. You've seen all the trailers, Justin? Uh, no, I haven't seen the last two. What are your thoughts That's, of it? What do you think? I mean, it's, it's uh... I'm excited. I mean, I, I, I can't ever say that I'm not excited because it's comic book <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. You know, it, it looks action-y. It looks fun. It looks Captain America-y. Um, I mean, we'll see because, you know, DC is, is, is sort of on a cold streak, I would say, as far as, as, far as like, quality of movie, mm-hmm. um, especially with Suicide Squad. But um, we'll see. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to go in with... With positive, you know, outlooks. So 
I'm excited. How about you? I have watched zero trailers of it. I have no idea kind of what it looks like. I've stayed away from promotional materials. If someone has stuff on Instagram where I spend most of my time, I just uh, quickly like scroll up. Don't look. So I'm really trying to stay away from imagery, the trailers. Um, I did go and see Gardens of the Galaxy and they showed the entire movie pretty much in trailer <laughs> version. <laughs> but I, I actually, I'm that guy. Yes, I close my eyes. I plug my ears. My wife looks uh, embarrassingly at me, but that's me. I don't want to be spoiled. I want it to be fresh, but I'm super excited. It's totally on my brain. June 2nd, Wonder Woman. Get your tickets! IMAX 3D, of course. The IMAX gives you that cool, I saw it first, IMAX ticket, which is kind of awesome. I really want that. So it's very much on my nerd brain. Wonder Woman, I can't believe it's already like around the corner. And uh, another, the other nuggets of nerd that are in our nerd lobes is some comic book movie and TV news. So go for it, Jables. What do you got for us? Well, first off, um, I wanted to say rest in peace to Chris Cornell. Yeah. Um, big, influential um, musician, especially, uh, you know, in my life. I'm a big grunge fan. Um, we could say he's like the, one of the godfathers of grunge. Yeah, next to Nirvana, I, I'd say he's definitely, he's definitely like one of the godfathers. Um, I, you know, he just, it, it was tragic to hear that he, he'd passed away. Um, just adds to the li the long list of bands that I will never be able to see live. Um, rest in peace, you know, rest in peace. I saw Soundgarden live in their heyday. I did. I hate you. <laughs> and it was epic. Uh, I mean, there was like, uh, I want to say two other bands. I know, um, Alice in Chains was one, uh, and... One that I, that I wasn't totally into. I want to say it was Mud Honey. I know people are screaming. You've heard of Mud Honey, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's another one that was there. But I did. Someone's ears are ringing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone that my, around my age that's a heavy grunge fan is like, oh, it doesn't know Mud Honey. But um, rest in peace. And this episode is dedicated to Chris Cornell and his family and everyone dealing with all of this. Uh, so our, our hearts are go out to you. But now into the comic book movie and TV news, Jables, <laughs> besides our dedication. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's good. We have to say it. So, But what else? We'll go into the news now. What you got? This is my soapbox you know, area. So, um, First off, I would like to uh, wish a happy birthday to Peter Mayhew. Oh, Chewy. Um, yeah, happy birthday, Peter Mayhew. Belated birthday. It was like two days ago. Um, but yeah, he's 191. I think. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't write down how old he was. I'd have to look that up. He was but born in 11. He was born in 11. He's born in 11. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, first little tidbit of movie news: um, a new picture of Amber Heard as Mira has surfaced in the Aquaman movie. Um, it's a new costume from what we were teased a couple like a year ago. I think it was. Um, it's brighter, I'd say brighter more I would, I would say closer to the sexy side um it looks like a victoria's secret ad i mean it looks like frederick's of hollywood is in wonder in aqua land i mean <laughs> i mean i mean uh, uh, she's a beautiful woman you don't want to you know you want to highlight that you know um her hair is red uh, very 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 red i mean it, if you it's red in the comics man yeah, look at that. It's like comic book red. See, but I, I also think that this is filtered. Um, you know, so it might be different shades. Also, you got to remember, too, um, like whatever sort of gradient they choose to use in the movie could change the colors of the, the costume. I like it. I mean, it looks very oceany to me. Um, you don't want to be wearing like heavy suits of armor, you know? It's a bathing suit, essentially. Long sleeved bathing suit. Um, so, I mean, I liked it. I'm excited for that. Um, 
I mean, she's she's a beautiful woman. I mean, what do you? What, you you're, it's fun to look at, you know. I think you said it best in that, like, this must be a different sort of moment they're showing, right? That yeah. the first image was very sort of armored up, very similar yes. to the other guy, uh, Jason Momoa, and how his suit looks. So this is some other kind of scene, so we don't know fully what's happening here. But, uh, yeah, very kind of, uh, you know, kind of risque. And it's just this, you know, this yeah, I mean, tight leotard kind of thing. But we don't know the scene. We don't know the context. I mean, it's t it's tight. It's a it, it's tight. It's a su it's a superhero tight, movie, man. Like it's, like it's good or like, like yeah, like both. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. Um, there was a trailer that premiered not too long ago of the Black Lightning series coming to CW. Um, I just wanted to bring it up to you. I don't know too much about Black Lightning. The show looks interesting, intriguing, but it's a CW show. I'm not too big of a fan of CW besides the Flash. Um. I couldn't tell you what I'm expecting because I don't know the character too well. But the costume looks good. Um, the story looks intriguing. It, it, it's set around a guy who doesn't, who, who retired essentially, um, and he wants to take care of his two daughters. Um, it looks CWE, very yeah, it CW. Looks a little like Jordan Peele, doesn't he? He was in. Uh, I think he was the. Um, he was in Kickass. I think he was in Kickass. I'm not too sure, um, but he does he does sort of look like Jordan Peele in this picture, especially with the hair. Um, but I mean, I want to know what yeah. you're. Yeah, I want to know more. I mean, I watched the trailer; it does give away a lot. Um, but I don't know if I'm gonna check this out yet. You know, I might give it the you know two episode, three episode try and see if I like it because I've fallen off with a lot of CW shows. Um, we'll see. I mean, I would say we'll see. I'm with you. I, I wasn't like, uh, this didn't totally hype me up, pump me up, like ready to go with this. I was kind of like, well, I'll peek in and see. I wasn't totally jazzed, but I'm kind of with you. Well, and it's a three minute and six second trailer. Long trailer. Crazy. It, 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 there is a lot here, a lot to sort of chew on, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. The CW shows have uh, tailored off a little or whatever. I've, I've, although I've been enjoying The Flash. I got back into The Flash this, I mean, this season, so I'm in. The Flash, the Flash has been consistent. Um, I mean, consistent in the fact where sometimes it gets annoyingly consistent. Um, but I enjoy it. Um, I'm a couple episodes behind, but we'll see. You know, I, I, that's all I can really say. I don't know if I want to watch it yet, um, but we'll see. Okay. Well, any idea when they say it's coming out? Like any, any time frame? Soon. I, w I would guess around sweeps. Okay. So, I, I, I mean, start, I don't know. The yeah, the start of, of the, the new season's. Um, Which is like September, October. Yeah, yeah closer to the end of summer. Um, so next up uh, is a trailer for the finale, the season finale, season two finale of Supergirl. Teases Zod. Um, oh. Will he kneel? Will we kneel? Will we kneel? Will um, he kneel? <laughs> um, I mean, bringing in Superman villains into a Supergirl show worries me a little bit. Because there is a Superman in that universe. Right. So is there history there? What's the backstory? I mean, granted, this is the CW-verse. This isn't the DC Entertainment Universe. You know, it's not the DCEU. Um, so who knows? You know? Um, but I, 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 I don't know. I... I I'm excited, <laughs> I guess, you know? You put your hands up, though, <laughs> in question. I'm excited? Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know the context. I haven't really been watching Supergirl. I watched the first half of the season and was kind of like, meh, 
you know? Um, it's a little too gum chewy for me. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you're still watching it. I am not, <laughs> but it might peek back in uh, to see sort of the end of this season. Maybe watch the last four or five. Is that where we're going to see Zod this season, or is it next yeah, season? I think, I, I think it's the last episode. Okay. That's what that's what the the news article from ComicBook.com said. So. Then I'll tune in for sure on that. So uh, next up, there's an actual uh, article that Rob Cohen, he's the director of Triple X, the the good one, <laughs> State of the Union, the first one. The, he's the, also the director of the first. Oh, not, he was, he was the, the director of the first Triple X. State of the Union was the bad one. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the first he did that one in the. So that's like one and three. But anyway, he also did the uh, like Fast and the Furious, right? The, the yeah. original. The first Fast and the Furious, my favorite one. Um, and he also did, I think he did one of the last Mummy movie before yeah. the whole, now they're rebooting it. Um, you know, I don't know too much about these characters that he's doing, yes. but uh, you do. So Rob Cohen, also he did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. So another just a, he's done some good stuff. Last four or five films maybe didn't hit as hard as he wanted them to, but he's agreed to do two comic book feature films, and they're based on the sort of independent author's work that's related to The Crow. There's a, a character called Razor. It's a graphle no, graphic novel series, independent publisher, and this other one called Strike. So they're, they're martial artist skills. Uh, the, um, the character Strike has like these deadly wrist blades. And so interesting little like independent graphic novels that Rob Cohen's going to do two films of. And they tie into the Crow series, the Brandon Lee Crow series, although there are other Crows that weren't so good after that. But yeah. it's, it's somehow going to tie into the Crow to kind of build a new universe. Did you hear um, a while back that Jason Momoa was like in, in supposed to be the Crow? I don't know where that story's gone because it's like floated back and forth for years but he was like like down he was like super down to do, and I would love him as a crew he, he already looks like him just yeah, without the but like like he's seven feet tall and more muscular right it'd be amazing hell yeah but I know that like 44 people have agreed to do The Crow, and it's just continually falling apart for yeah. rebooting the franchise. But this might be the way they dip the toes in to sort of build that universe with Razor and Strike. So interesting to see where this is going. This is like fresh news, so we're going to hear more about this. But Rob Cohen has officially signed on to do two comic book movies off the beaten path, not the big two, right, with these independent uh, comic mm. book characters. So interesting to see where this is going to go. I'm going to tune in. And last... And I think my favorite piece of news to, to service in the past week or two um, is Sony has cast Tom Hardy as Venom yes. in their new standalone Venom movie in the Spider-Man Marvel Universe of Sony. Um, it's going to be directed by Zombieland's Ruben Fleischer. Very I cool. love Zombieland. Zombieland so is really good. Um, and it's set to come out on October 5th, 2018. Um... I was tell I texted you when, when when this came out, and uh, man, he's I told you he's a picture perfect depiction of Eddie Brock to me. Yeah. Picture perfect. Agreed. The only thing is he needs to be a little bit taller, but that's that's besides the point. They can make him taller. They can add <laughs> tallness. I heard. Did Robert Downey Jr. that shit? <laughs> no, it's a genetic thing. It's a pill. <laughs> you take it. They make you taller. It's really easy. It takes like a week. It's like no big deal. Yeah. So that that was I mean that's big news. You know they're moving on from Spider-Man outside the MCU. They're already starting, you know, next year. Uh, so what's going to happen with Spider-Man? Is he, you know, who's, you know, you can't really have Venom without Spider-Man. Spider symbiote suit. So what, what are they going to do? But I don't care because Tom Hardy. <laughs> um, he's going to rock it, man. I, I, I can tell you right now, 
whatever he does with the character, I'll, I will most likely enjoy. He's a great actor. He's one of those those actors to me that uh, doesn't say a lot, right? He's never really in super heavy dialogue type roles, but he does a lot in the face and his emotions, right? He's that kind of that full body actor. You know, have, have you seen Locke? L-O-C-K-E? No. That is, uh, it's, it's a... It's a strange. It's a strange movie. Uh, Tom Hardy's in it, and this sort of cemented his acting ability to me, because it's literally, and I, I'm telling you, it's I don't know two hours of just Tom Hardy in a car, talking on the phone. Oh yeah, yeah, I did hear about this. Yeah, someone recommended it to me, so I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> I mean, I, I I recommend it, but at the same time, I can guarantee you, you might get bored. I mean, he's a real good actor, but you might get bored. Was it the same director that did the Ryan Reynolds movie where he was just in a box for two hours? I don't think it's the same director, but it's like that. Okay. It's it's the same sort of thing. But he he is a great, great actor. And that movie alone just totally cemented that. But back to what you were saying about he's not dialogue heavy. Mad Max, he said like 20 Seven. words. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he, he did, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Uggs and yeah. grunts, right? Yeah. It was like, you know, that's like $100,000 for that Ugg, you know? Yeah. $25,000 for that, you know, eyebrow. <laughs> it's like, but he's a full body actor. I, I think he's a, he's great physical presence, and oh, that's yeah. what Venom needs. So uh, hats off. And he's Captain. huge. He can get gigantic. I mean, muscle-wise. Um, he's not tall. You know, he's, he's probably around tall. my height. They but um, Yeah, but he, he's he's got the shoulders, you know? He's got that wide presence. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Physically and motor- metaphorically, he has the shoulders to carry the Venom <laughs> franchise, right? Yep. And we can, they could just, you know, build trenches so everyone else is yeah. in, in a trench and he's, you know, 6'6 six, six or whatever yeah. we need him to be. But uh, exciting. Great news, right? Tom Harding, Venom. So very, very cool. Any other, any other movie TV news before we move on? No, that's it. That's all I brought to the table. Um, if you guys have any questions or whatever, if you, if you have any comments... Whatever on, on movie news or you want to hear more about it, yeah, let us know. Let us know if you like this segment. We can elaborate on it a little bit more. Make it a major piece. You know, who knows? But let us know. Email us and whatnot. You know, Justin at sunspotscomics.com. Chris at sunspotscomics.com. Let us know if you like, you know, if you like this segment. I think we're liking it and we're, it is kind of moved into a regular segment. I mean, it is in our nerd brain, but, uh, you know. That's what kind of, I think it's a regular thing. Let's just move with it. We like it. So if you don't like it, that's too damn bad. <laughs> we're going to do it. So we hope you like it because I think it's, we're going to kind of keep that as a permanent segment in the, in the, you know, things on our nerd brain segment. But anyway, the last thing that's up inside our nerd brains is that I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes. I'm doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing the art. Please check out art samples from him on his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful. Thank you for doing it, Jordan. But I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com. So just go there, put your eyeballs on some sample pages we have of zombiedestroyers.com if you want to see what it's all about. And just a little update on Zombie Destroyers. We uh, He's revamping page 21 a little bit. He's doing this 22 on 22 and 23 is this very ambitious splash page, two-page splash that he's working on. And we're ending issue number one at like page 30 to 32. And we hope to be done by sometime this summer. So I can't wait to get issue number one of Zombie Destroyers out there. It's a passion of mine. It's an absolute love and dream to be creating a comic book. And I can't wait to show it to you on the planet Earth. So it's going to be fun. And next up, I just want to quickly mention our segment called Spotlighting. We have some interviews lined up, Jables. Did you know that? I got three, actually. Yeah, you, t- you told me about a couple. I don't know about all three, but 
Um, I'd like to be there, you know? Yes, we'll have you infused in it on the next ones, but there is some, some people coming up. Thank you for, for lining up, and we're trying to work out the schedules and get you here uh, interviewed in our segment we call Spotlighting, which is designed to basically bring creators and their work to shine some light on them, to show uh, and, and spread the word of their comic books so that you can follow them and see them on the on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Find their comics that they're creating, that they're, they're really struggling hard and working hard to create. Like myself, I'm trying to do a comic book myself. So if you're a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letterer, it doesn't matter. If you're trying to get into comics or you're already doing it, just send me some of your work to Chris or Justin at sunspotscomics.com or of course, just hit me on the social media on everything at Sunspots Comics. So we're we're trying to do our thing to kind of help independent comic book creators. Hell, dude, you, you can do all the talking. I, you know, I can just sit in the back. <laughs> I can just sit in the back and, like, twiddle my thumbs and just listen. Cause like, on, like on good moments, go, ho, ho, ho. Exactly. So just, I could be the color guy that doesn't say Jack. You know, I could just sit in the back. I'll sit in this chair right here, this comfy chair, and just, you know, just, just look, just watch, you know? <laughs> You're more than welcome to be the creepy guy in the back, just uh, <laughs> sitting there observing. Can you imagine like the, like they're all like, "Who's that back there?" And you just go, "Oh, don't worry about him." <laughs> yeah, just just go. What are you talking about? Who's who's sitting <laughs> behind me? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. There's no one there. <laughs> That's my life size doll. I don't know who it is, but it's my life size doll. <laughs> I might just try that just for kicks. <laughs> whoever whoever we're interviewing next, be prepared. There could be a creepy person sitting behind me, and I will not acknowledge them. That they exist. <laughs> I mean no harm, okay? Ish. But anyway, uh, what's that noise, Jess? You hear that? Is that our spider sense tingling? It's been a while. Yeah, it's tingling. It's intense. Oh, my God. We got to turn the tingler down. <laughs> yes, we have one quick little comic uh, book article. It's I, have, I haven't done this in a while, but it's a little comic book news, a little th fun thing I like to do called News Article That Makes My Spider Sense Tingle. Yes, that's what that sound effect is. This actually came from NPR.org. That scientists around the world, listen into this, James, it's crazy, are actually gluing fake caterpillars on plants worldwide. And here's what they're trying to do. <laughs> so I told you a little bit about this article, right? I told Jess, and I'm like, this makes my spider sense tingle because they're making like these little clay caterpillars and putting them all over like jungled type areas or anywhere there's heavy greenery where caterpillars exist to sort of see how their ecosystem is being affected by things to see what birds eat them to see uh, how their their mating rituals go etc because they're like an integral part of the of the society of fauna flooring and pollen you know and, and just so many little things it's tied to but ultimately i thought justin what would happen is if there was like an eco-terrorist or something that infuses something into these clay caterpillars that creates a, a mutagen effect, a mutant caterpillar, or whatever beings are eating them. Sorry, I was just writing that down. Um, <laughs> I might steal your idea. <laughs> right, but uh, I just thought, interesting, strange, made my spider sense tingle. What's in those little clay fake caterpillars that they're using all for all this data? You know, if an evil scientist got a hold of this and decided to sprinkle a little something into those fake little caterpillars, hence supervillain created, right? Mutagen. Flash forward, apocalypse hits. I think this is just like, we should rename this like conspiracy theory time with Chris <laughs> and Justin. Because, um, yeah, some of these articles are, we do a lot of AI stuff that you've brought up. It's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been a long time, but every time it's like, it's a little unsettling, the, the stuff you bring up. Yes. So it, it's kind of funny. Go into the feed and you'll see these uh, artificial intelligence stories that I've shared and also Spider-Sense tingling stuff. But it's just off the beaten path, fun things that I think, if you twist those little stories a little bit, 
it leads right to comic books in a weird way. So there you go. There's the one comic book news article that made my spider sense tingle. I'll share this, of course, on all the social media so you can read this article and inform your own opinion. So there you go. Now on to our favorite part of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, which is our comic book reviews and recommendations, where we pick our favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day Wednesday May 17th. And of course, semi-spoiler-ish alert. Right, Jables? Yeah. We're going to spoil a little bit. We leave, uh, I don't know, the back two pages leave up. Uh, yeah, so we leave those alone. We don't we don't talk about those. Um, yeah, so... Uh, we only cover... Yeah, we, we only cover, I don't know, like two or three, two or three of the like the opening, I guess, Once. acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. like two like two out of three of the, the, the story arcs, I guess, in the comic. Um, but don't worry. We're not going to completely ruin it. Um, so getting into it, yes. Art so, winner, cover winner, right? Yeah. Let's start with that. So we agreed on this this week, right? As to our who our art winner was, and we pick an art winner and a cover artist winner. And this week's artist winner was Ryan Otley of Invincible issue number one thirty six. And why did we pick Mr. Ryan? Oh, by the way, find Ryan Otley. Go and in, on Instagram, follow him at Ryan Otley. O T T L E Y. His art is glorious. But it's gory. It's over the top. And that's just part of the reasons why we selected him as artist winner. But as we're perusing this, Jables, why did you pick Mr. Ryan Otley as artist winner this week? Dude, the the gore was off the chain. It was just gnarly. Um, From cover to finish? Yeah, from from, from cover to to cover, man. It was just just brutal. And I love love the consistency. You brought that up. Consistency of the art, panel to panel. Splash page to full page spread, all that stuff. It is just completely consistent. Yes. He doesn't. He doesn't jerk us around. No. He does not jerk us around. He no is. Jerking. He is. He is in there to win it. And I, I mean, he is. He's won some awards. I know he's. He's won some New York bestsellers. Um, but dude, the <laughs> swarms of these like Viltrumite mutant. Or not mutant, like yeah. off-breeding, hybrid, hybrid yeah, weird, Viltrumite aliens. Yeah. The swarm of these, like, just, like, there's millions of them. Yeah. Uh, just full bore, like, just charging at, at our main characters is just brutal. It reminds me of the visualness of the Matrix movie yeah. and those squiddies that are just in this giant pile. Or what was the other movie you said? Um, World, War Z? Yeah, World War Z? World War Z, the zombies, where they would, like... They'd go up to a wall and, like, basically just stack on top of each other and, like, climb up each other like ants. It was nuts. Absolutely nuts. And there's there's parts here where our main character and his father and, and the uh, the Alan. world leader, Alan, when they, like, sort of punch someone, they just they slice through them, right, with yeah. their hands just, like, in pointed position. <laughs> and he has it such a great sweep effect and that, that speed action move that blurs, and then it, like, literally chops people's faces off as the faces float through the sky. Yeah, that was nuts. There's body parts f- just floating in, in midair. There's faces. Like, there's brain, blo- like, just gore galore. I mean, that That's unintentionally gore galore. wrong. Gore galore. Uh, it was... Yeah. It was gnarly, but I loved it. And the nostalgia of just having Ryan Otley back um, is it's, it's amazing. I, I mean, I, I love his art. I told, I said a couple issues back or a couple you know episodes back that it is my it's my goal and my dream to get a sketch by this guy, even if it's just a little doodle sketch. I don't care. I'd love to get a sketch from this guy. Um, he he's one of my favorite artists. I would have to say I I basically grew up with this guy. 
you know, he he raised me as a comic book fan, which is, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a good thing He's or a bad uncle. thing on your He's part. Uncle. Say hi to Uncle Ryan. <laughs> hey, Uncle. Tell him. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> we want a sketch, Uncle. <laughs> yeah, basically, I, I, I loved the issue. The art. Is always whenever he's doing it, I love it. Um, I, I I can't talk good enough about this. It's just over the top gore. It's I mean the way that the they're smashing into his arms and just they're shattering bone and muscle and blood. It's it's so much gore fun. Gore galore, like you said, it is perfectly said. And there's a lot of you know um, very light teal and orange backgrounds and and everything just sort of is striking with that, right? Those orange and weird pasty sort of, you know, grayed out backgrounds and such. It really just makes the art stand out and beautiful facial features. The crying of the little daughter just gets you. It just kind of breaks your heart. So there's emotion there. There's just gore. It's over the top, but it, yeah, consistent. There are a lot of art, you know, runner-ups this week, but you see, I was pointing it out to Justin. I was saying, look at the inconsistency here from this page to that page. And he was like, oh my gosh, Ryan Otley is spot on consistent and it's just so much fun gore. So he's our easily our art winner this week. And our cover art winner we also agreed upon was issue number 22 of The Flash by Jason Fabuk. He doesn't do the art in the interior, but he did this glorious cover, which I even bought the lenticular version, which was a dollar more. It's like this awesome holographic cover. You've seen it. Everyone's posting. I'll maybe throw something on there too. But Jason Fabuk, follow him on Instagram at jfabuk, F-A-B-O-K. And man, this flame effect that you pointed out, Justin, that you really liked, I mean, gorgeous. Yeah, like it's basically, essentially it's an old comic with a new spin to it. It's like the, the, the Jay Garrick Flash. You you can see the old cover, especially with the lenticular, and you turn it, you turn it to the to the left, and it's like it, he burned a hole through the comic book, and he's like chilling there, like in this striking pose. Yeah. It's beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, it is like he was just burst through the feed, speed force, and then makes this dramatic halt, and it burns the paper, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then it, that then he burns through the old cover, and there he is. So. Ah, just glorious colors, the orange, the red. It's just so iconic, and it's what you want. Jay Garrig in this superhero pose, right? We yeah. love that, with the <laughs> knee on the ground and Super, hand to the ground. Superhero landing. I mean, he didn't land. He's running, but yeah, it was glorious. I loved it. The eyes glowing, too. The glowing eyes from Jay Garrig. It's, it's ridiculous. Jay Fabic easily our cover artist winner. Go look at it and buy that lenticular cover. If you can get it, it's hard to find. Some of the comic shops are limiting them to people or only you can only buy one per person. So if you can find it, Flash 22, lenticular cover, holographic looking, weird hologram thing, it's worth it, the extra dollar, go and buy it. So those are our artist winners this week. And the breakdown, we actually purchased 25 comics this week and 10 of them made it to the great ones recommendation list, which is not bad. We're trying to get to that 50% every week, so this week didn't quite make it. But new number ones, there was only one, Mindbender. One of the 25s was a number one issue, and Mindbender did make it to the great list, which we'll discuss here in a second. So let's get into it, our top comic book recommendations. This is the great ones list, folks, of our comic book picks that all came out new comic book day, Wednesday, May 17th. We consider these comic books to be the greatest ones of the great. So go and buy these immediately. So on to the countdown. Here we go. Start us off, Jables. At number 10, it's Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Big Lie, number three. That's a mouthful. Um, so number three of this of this series. Um, this was a, um, oh, it's by Anthony Del Sol and uh, drawn by Werther Del Edera. Uh, yeah, oh geez. Um, it's uh, it's published by Dynamite Dynamite Comics. Um, the cover of this is totally reminiscent of like 
the old, um, I guess you could say noir. Yeah, noir comic books, you know, detective comic books. Um, but I was significantly and supremely surprised by this issue. Um, I hadn't read one and two, um, but I jumped into this, and you kind of don't need to know what's going on. You can read the the little the little previously on. It was really good. Um, it was yeah, it was, it was. But so, this is sort of like a caper story, of like basically Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, which by the way, like they're two they're two different <clears throat> the brothers characters. Yeah. They're two different characters. Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys are from old books. You know, they're two different series, but they go so perfectly together. And yes. I'm surprised this has never been done before. Yeah. Um, so. It's basically, um, the Hardy Boys are sort of in trouble, and Nancy Drew's there to help out. So, essentially, in the in the whole book, uh, Frank and Joe Hardy uh, were basically devastated when their father had committed suicide. Yes. Uh, and so, essentially, what Frank and Joe are, are, you know, they're being suspected of killing their, their dad for foul play and, and whatnot. So, Nancy Drew is there investigating. Her father is actually the one who... who um, brought them in. She's who, the muse, right? Yeah, she's sort yeah, she's definitely the muse. Um so they in this issue they have to break into a police station. <laughs> and it's like this crazy detective heist story. Yeah. And they're teenagers. It was yeah. great. Um the colors of this book, it reminded me a lot of Afterlife of Archie. Oh, yes. And um you know how crazy you say that because uh, Roberto uh, uh, Acosta was I'm horrible with his name. Roberto Aguirre Acosta who is the heart, blood, and writer of of art of the Afterlife with Archie and the Riverdale TV series? Sort of co-wrote this. Oh, really? Well, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it definitely has that flavor in it. Um, I could see his his uh, his his sort of style seeping through. Um, the art the art was um, surprisingly good. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's not it's not you know crazy beautiful, but it's it's definitely like for what I'm expecting out of the story. It's perfect, um, but it's definitely like a caper heist story um, involved with these brothers who are sort of kind of distant, you know. But you know, in the books, they're like like really close, and, and their dad has a lot to do with what they do as like sort of sleuths. Um, so basically, they had to break into this police station and steal something from this police station from the evidence room, and the way they do it is marvelous. I, I loved it. Very intelligently written, right? Like yeah. the way they they laid it out, and I think uh, you laid it out perfectly. Thank you. And the other, I think at its core, right, is like she's the muse that I think they both have a crush on, right? <laughs> and they're kind of competing for her at the same time, and yet they're so different. And I think that the writer really captured that sort of brother rivalry and yeah. sort of dislike you have towards your brother, but at the same time you sort of respect him and are kind of looking up to him, but you want to beat him. They've captured that really well, right? Yeah. With the girl, with Nancy being the muse at the same time. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like, all right, you got Frank, who is the talker, the smart one. He's sort of the, the, um, the, the smart mouth. He's yeah. sort of always kind of involved with like getting them out of situations. He's sort of the smart salesman. kind of planner. Yeah. He's a salesman. <laughs> and then you have Joe, who's more of the quiet muscle type. He's the older brother, I think too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's more of the, the type to get them out of tight situations uh, by physically, you know, doing whatever. But they're both sort of, they bring different things to the table. And then Nancy Drew is the clean-cut detective. She's like the one who I would say is probably the smartest of them because she actually brings that to the table. But I've never really, I've read like one Hardy Boys book um, back when I was maybe like 10. So I don't, I don't remember too much about it because 
it's, it was an older book. It was written in like the 80s, I remember. Um, but it was, um, I was genuinely surprised. I really liked it. It was very smart, writ smart writing. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll keep reading it. Go back and read the first two if you haven't because there was a lot of setup in it. And this is where it gets rolling with the heist, with the keeper. So, yeah. And you know what? It's like she's Barbara Gordon and they're both Robins. <laughs> right? <laughs> that kind of reminds me of Without Any Zoots. But check it out. It's super really good. I was really surprised as well. And, again, that's uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Big Lie, issue number three. It's our number ten pick of the week. Coming in at number nine from Marvel Comics is Daredevil, issue number 20. This is written by Charles Soule, Mr. Attorney Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, which is gorgeous, and the weirdish, very striking Frank Millerish coloring from Matt Miller. And uh, man, this was my number nine pick, but Justin, what, where was this pick for you? This was my number one, dude. I completely disagree with this ranking. Um, we were talking about it, too. Like, I wanted to have like an exception for this. I wanted to change your ranking. Um, so we were like sort of discussing like rules to the podcast because of this book. Because I completely disagree with you, man. Like, oh my gosh. This is my number one. This is probably my favorite book this week. Give us um, the gist. Essentially, it is the undoing of Matt Murdock coming out as Daredevil. Because the uh, world knew. Yeah, because the world knew them. Don't yeah. And how it happened. So essentially, the purple children... Um, at the end when Dare yeah, Matt Murdock saves the purple children and they do him a favor and I mean it's pretty obvious they yeah. they, they wipe the memory of we don't know the distance right. of of Matt Murdock being Daredevil. So it's sort of the aftermath of that. And I would say there's not too much action. There's some action pages where it's like him, you know, doing some stuff. But the reason why I really, really loved this book was just it is beautifully written. Beautifully. There's a lot. It's heavy dialogue, heavy narration, but the, the, there's a scene where he, or Matt, is talking to his pastor um, in the church, and it is just, it is beautiful. It's a dialogue scene too, which I told you. It's a dialogue scene. I should be bored. I mean, not really, but I mean, I should, you know, I want to be watching action. But it was just beautiful. The dialogue that comes out of both of them is just so perfect for the characters. Just a gorgeous book. I loved it. And he revels. He revels in knowing that no one knows him now. Like he, he just goes into this, this, you know, all these sort of gangster guys and some, you know, card, card, uh, table shark situation, and just keeps asking, him, "What's my name? What's my name?" And he expects them to say Matt Murdock, and they only say Daredevil. And so he's like refreshed by that. Like, oh, no one knows who, who I am again. It's kind of a revitalization of his character, right? He really revels in that, yeah. and. And you're right. Uh, it, there's some great dialogue with the sitting there talking to the the, the preacher and confession, but I, I didn't rank it as high just because there, this was like a, an amazing sort of previously on. There was a lot of points that we'd things we'd seen, but we don't want to tell you the the spoiler of the sort of how they actually got it done. Right? To it's a little interesting yeah. there. So uh, and how they made everyone believe that, uh, you know, that he's not uh, Matt Murdock is not Daredevil. Yeah. Another thing I thought was interesting too is um. In that scene that we're not going to really explain, it shows like a, a image of like the people that Matt knows, who even before he had come out, like sort of knew already. And in the bottom right corner, Spider-Man. I loved that. There's like Iron Fist in the in the corner. There's Hulk. There's you know Ghost Rider. There's like all these people who know J. Jonah Jameson. There's all these people who know who Matt Murdock is. Um, all of a sudden, just get their memory wiped. 
you know? And I, I, I love the duality of Matt Murdock because he is, I've told, I've said this before, he is 100% a hero all the time. And before, before this issue, he wasn't because he was celebrity Matt Murdock. He doesn't, he's not a lawyer anymore because he is Daredevil. So now it can go back to that duality that I love, which is 100%, 100% hero, 100% good guy, 100% of the time where he is superhero by night and lawyer by day defending you know, people who are innocent, and I, I love that duality. He's one of my favorite superheroes. And, you know, he really is the superhero because the, the purple kids choose to help him. So they actually saw, I mean, they're ultimately trying to kill him for a long, long time, right? Before but the, he, yeah. yeah, but they've realized he's really trying to stop the purple man and let the kids be free, and they, they sort of pay him back in a strange way. Yeah. But uh, you're right. I just didn't rank it as high because it, it did feel like this very awesome uh, previously on comic because it was you know talking about a lot of things that already happened but it does move the story forward and you're right the the literary genius that Charles Sowell is here he does an amazing job with writing this it's it's beautiful telling of a hero and you said it well there was there was one line in here I'd have to read it verbatim that I just loved and it's from the pastor um, the pastor says to him he goes um, you don't need God to forgive you you need to forgive yourself and I just thought that was just beautiful like like i mean a pastor saying that to you and matt matt i'm not gonna say exactly what he's saying and what's going on but he's sort of in this dark place and and the pastor's like well what's up like you haven't been here in a while you've been happy what's up and then he basically explains what's going on and you don't have to you don't need god to forgive you you need to forgive yourself i just thought that was just gorgeous you're right beautifully written so that's jable's number one that's uh, my number nine, but uh, I, I think uh, it's just so well done, consistent as always. And from number one of Daredevil, Charles Soule is uh, hitting it out of the park. He aimed for the for the cheap seats in this one, and it's he, he's paying it off. It's great. And coming in at number eight is Rose, issue number two. This is from Image Comics. This is brought to you by writer Meredith Finch and amazing artist Ig Guara. Tell us the gist of Rose, Justin. Um, well, this is uh, essentially, I would say, a mixture of Lord of the Rings and Bone. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, that sort of fantasy realm. Um, to be honest, I don't know what's going on, but I know <laughs> um, I know that, that Rose is like this sort of wiped out race of these like magicians. magicians. Mm-hmm. So magic is like outlawed and you get like the death sentence. And so like the orcs or whatnot, I don't know if they're orcs. They look like orcs to me. Yeah sort of just in the previous issue just destroyed her her village um and so this small group of people get out with with like this old woman who sort of knows who rose is um like this sort of guide guy who reminds me a lot of like um a mixture of legolas and aragorn yeah um totally totally reminds me that yeah and then um another guy and then they're missing somebody and they're sort of like trying to meet up with them um and then there's rose who's like hidden magician because she doesn't want anybody to know um essentially she's pissed off and uh she wants to go get her revenge and she like goes head first and then they have to like stop her um this was a a character building issue not too much action um but i do like the world they're building the world they're they're building is it's it's sort of right up my wheelhouse because i loved bone i love lord of the rings um swords and sandals ish type thing with magical creatures and magic. Was her, was her name Thorn in Bone? Yes. 
Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Rose and Th- oh, I just, holy crap. Yeah. So the girl's name in in Bone is is Thorn. Yeah. And then the girl in this is Rose. Oh my gosh, Rose and Th- oh my god, every Rose has his stone. Oh my god. Um. So yeah. Um. Wow, I did not notice that. That's funny. Yeah, that was great. And you know they uh, do have another thorn in this. Yeah. <laughs> that because every rose has its thorn, and it's yeah. interesting what thorn is because we forgot in the first issue because this is what number three, two, three, two, three, two, two. two. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they introduce that these magician characters that are all being wiped out have a cat. Oh yeah, they have a guardian. Um, so hers, she doesn't have hers with her, but, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of been hinted at because these like weird, like almost avatar looking creatures, like the Navi from, from Avatar, um, just sort of come after her and this, this Legolas Aragorn guy, I think his name is Will, um, and he, Will is going to go protect her. Um, she has this like sword and like she's very scantily dressed in a little bit like like she's wearing this weird dress and it's totally torn up like it's like like crazy how much is sort of exposing um but there's a little bit of action scene between this like this like um navi looking character and yeah and and um uh, rose and rose and will so essentially he thinks that uh, if if he kills her, it'll stop this guardian from coming back. Right, and we don't know if that's really gonna ha- be. <laughs> that's what they think, but you're right. Character building here. It's very Lord of the Rings and Bone and beautiful art by Igaguara. The emotions in the face are gorgeous. Uh, he Rose is beautifully drawn, right? Very appealing. Yeah. Every character is very appealing to look at here. And there is a sort of evil witch that is running everyone, right? That also wears almost nothing, but. Um, she's kind of horrifying. She's yeah. like, she reminds me of that that the bad woman in the uh, Captain EO video uh, with those oh, weird spiky nails, yeah. a little bit on the side of like Catwoman, if you will. But uh, she's she's pretty badass, and uh, we're just getting little just teases of her. And uh, yeah, she's kind of a frightening character. So a lot of character development, great world they're bu- building here, and uh, you know the the Thorn, their cat companion, is is on its way. So. Great stuff here. Meredith Finch, fantastic writer, and Igaguar, a beautiful, beautiful artist. So what's next? Jables, bring us to number seven. Number seven is Mindbender, number one, which um, was an independent comic. You, you picked this up at a con, didn't you? Um, it's by Scott, uh, Scout Comics, um, written by James Pruitt. And for, and drawn by Federico De Luca. Why do you always give me the hard names, man? <laughs> totally on accident. No, okay, I did it on purpose. But uh, this was man, Mindbender was like this great X Men issue, right? A great like introduction of a mutant. Yeah, it had a bit of that Legion from X Men, and it was showing this beautiful scene of this family walking through a carnival. The art is great. I gotta say, Federico De Luca. I don't know who you are, but I'm going to start start stalking you. On all social media and uh, buying your stuff. But uh, I'm glad I found this. Again, indie publisher Scout Comics, so it might be kind of hard to find. But uh, I don't even think it was on Comixology. I probably did get this at the the uh, Con Revolution, Comic-Con Revolution in Ontario. But uh, it's gorgeous. It lives in this world of purple like you've never seen. From really dark to really light, there's like 45 different shades of purple in this. But 
It, the, to set the scene here and get the gist, there's this kid walking through with his family in a carnival. Something horribly goes wrong, and ultimately his mutant powers have begun. And then what happens to him after that, Justin? So, after that, he's institutionalized. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, a re- in a very realistic way. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, the, the institution almost reminds me of like uh, the institution that Sarah Connor's in, in Terminator 2. Yeah, you're right. Um, very like prison-like... Um, Sort of keeping everybody separate because they don't want anybody to hurt each other. Um, but he went mute. He sort of just went like um, vegetable. Um, and so they're sort of evaluating his case. They send a new doctor in um, who is this woman. And he has not talked to anybody in years. And they don't know why. You know, It's like 20 years later. Yeah, 20, yeah he's, he's a full-grown man now. Um, so someone goes in to talk to him. And, um, basically... What did, what did you think, uh, if I could, talk a little bit about, and Kim, tell me if you grabbed this, this sort of boss and new employee sort of thing that was going on at first, how she was being treated? Yeah, it, it almost reminded me of Fox and Mulder. Yeah. Fox and Mulder from X-Files. Um, and that's, I mean, I don't know how I know that, because that was way before my time. Um, but yeah, like, he's sort of kind of a douche. <laughs> like, he's sort of a douche, um, just like, like, um, just like Mulder was. So I mean, it, it was it was an interesting. He's sort of hazing her in a way, giving her like the bad um, right. patients and stuff. Um, there's a patient in here named Elvis who I thought was just hilarious. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> so essentially, what had happened is um, she it's awakens him. Yeah, she like gets him to say something or to snap out of this weird trance he's in, and from there, just all hell breaks loose. And there's another character, like this homeless guy, that's sort of given the secret code word to awaken. Did you catch that? No. It I was kind of a, yeah. It was like a strange page where they they get off the normal beaten path of the story here, and they show this day in Philadelphia. And there's this guy that we can't see who he's speaking to, but he's like this bum that's kind of awakened, and he's like, "Of course I'm ready. Yes, I'll be prepared." You see? He's like sort of this sleeper agent that's he's been sleeping. He's been yeah, he's been purple manned, and so now he's activated. And so I, I got to see where that goes, but we can't really say much more without spoiling it. It's even tough to spoil the intro, but you should check this out. It is completely worth it, right, Jess? It's like a unique little X-Men yeah. mutant series, but um, this guy is uh, has some interesting powers with a definite twist, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was a fun read. Um, a lot of dialogue, a lot of lot of setup. But it is, uh, it's beautiful. It's a great, it's a great drawn book. Um, is that like negative thing like you talked about? Yeah, yeah, like a negative effect on some of the, some of the drawings. But, um, I don't know how we're going to read number two. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, try to find it if you can. If you can't find it, get it for sure. I've written to Scout Comics. Really? Yeah, just saying, hey, how can I get number two? Uh, can you make it a little easier to find? Can I just send you some dough and you mail it to me, whatever? Because uh, I want it. It's been added. It's the only number one this week that made it to the countdown. And it's glorious, beautiful. Check out Mindbender if you can get it. It's a little hard to find. But uh, coming in at number six is from Aftershock Comics. It's Eleanor and the Egret, issue number two. And this is from written by John Lehman and art by the wonderful Sam Keith, who did the Max series way back when. So piece of my childhood there for Mr. Sam Keith. But... This was actually a better issue than the number one. The number one was like at this setting of the stage. This young woman is stealing art from all over the place with her crazy talking pet egret, giant egret, which can like, seems like it changes in size. 
but the first issue was really a lot of setup, but this issue was spectacularly better, right? Yeah, it was, um, this was definitely more fun, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely more fun. This one had more of John Lehman humor, um, and, and it, show, it showed. Uh, there was a scene where, Chew. yeah, yeah, from Chew. There was a scene where this this bird takes a fat dookie <laughs> on this car, and it's it's it was pretty funny. Um, the art was really good. I would say there, I mean, up until this point, um, Sam Keith had not been being had not been used in the way that I thought he would, because Sam Keith has this super ultra creepy um, spawn esque type art, and he's being used to draw like zoo animals and I, th I thought that was kind of nuts but they make it up in this at the end of this book and it is just it, it finally i thought sam keith is finally here like he finally arrived yeah you said that that he arrived and like it, it, he, they did they let him loose in this maybe there maybe he was just feeling very solemn and took it easy on the first issue but he has this sort of if you go out to his long shots they're very cartoony right yeah. and you go into his foreground shots and they're hyper realistic even to where the trees i mean look at the detail on this knotted strange tree that's on the, on the left here yeah. like it's crazy 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 good and there's some strange lettering that he always does john layman uh, doesn't but sam keith always has to where he literally draws out in beautiful sort of directional form of what it is you're looking at like critter poo and then writes that in there with this sort of strange you know arrow pointing the way in banner style so it's you're right sam keith is in his zone and john layman is harnessing his powers of chew which we love the chew comic and is unleashed here but there's more of this story um but i would it moves it forward in a very slight way really because she's still stealing art there and there's this detective hot on her trail but is also kind of falling in love with her at the same time right you got that yeah there's definitely some uh some vibes in there they're 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 sort of like he's sort of enthralled by her um there's a part where he's trying to get a sketch of her from like a, a sketch artist and he sort of says like um her eyes need to be more warm and like her smile and da -da -da -da. it was it was kind of it was cute you know but um like I said, I, I think what really stood out for me, besides the story parts, which I, I liked, um, was Sam Keith is finally being used to his, his potential. And I loved it. Um, this is sort of... It, it, the, when the first issue came out, I was like, this might be a little too uh, like cartoony for me. But this made it up for it, especially at the end. I, it, was, it was great. Yes, a little bit of a cliffhanger, so we're not going to spoil it, but she's hot on the trail for more of this art from this particular person. We don't know why she has to get that art. The egret will eat the art and talk about it and then gain in massive size. So there's a little fantasy element there. And then there's like this mayor who looks like the Monopoly guy that's, uh, <laughs> that's hot on this trail because he's getting a lot of pressure from this high-powered artist, ultimately, that can sort of have everyone's jobs. And this detective, though, at the same time trying to catch her, but is falling in love with her. So if that interests you, you're going to love this because it's surrounded by Sam Keith art. So top notch. Yeah, it was... It was uh... It was significantly better than the first one, I, I thought. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going to be going from here. Yeah. Because it, I mean, it's, moved, it's moved very small increments. Um, yeah, I mean, it is number two. So up next um, is, at five, is Heathen number four. I love this book right now. Um, it's, uh, I think it's the, the artist in the um, 
the artist and the writer are the same person too. So it's from Vault Comics, um, written and drawn uh, by Natasha Natasha Altaseri. Uh, sorry if I butchered your name. Um, but this is uh, Norse mythology at its best. Um, yeah. I mean, they even describe Beowulf, Beowulf and, Gren- and Grendel. Um, and I, where she's sitting down, telling these uh, this to the the mute. Uh, yeah. Assistant or a mute uh, worshiper yeah. of the sort of goddess of love, right? The Valkyrie of love, if you will. Yeah. And uh, and dastardliness. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and she, he's like, oh, I've heard that one, but he can't doesn't speak. So he's like, You heard that one? And yeah. she's just trying to tell all these stories, these Norse, you know, mythological yeah. story. So in this one, you you get a little bit more um, into the relationship of Brynhild, which is the Valkyrie that um, uh, Eris, Ar- Aris, Aris. Uh, saved from the burning mountaintop, and you you get her relationship with her ex-husband, who is now immortal. Um, so it's a character-building issue, and I, I think this um, this you know Natasha Altaseri has done a real good job character-building um, yeah. with characters we haven't really you know gotten to know yet. And tell about the curse. Yeah, there, so the curse, her uh, Brynhild's curse is. Um, she is forced to marry a mortal um, to escape the top of this burning mountain. Um, it's a curse done by Odin. So essentially, she can't move a single spot until she's married a mortal. And so she married a mortal, a mortal who saved her like 300 years ago. And um, he was dying at one point, and she tried to save him. Um, she went to this witch. And um, she essentially made him immortal. So she broke the curse. Or not broke the curse. She reenacted the curse. So she had to go back to the mountain. And so this is definitely some, I guess, some all like overdue conversation that was needed between these two characters. Um, and there's a wonderful scene where she like saves a accused witch. Sort of like the crucible. Um it was it was beautiful. It sort sort of stood up for womankind. I thought too. It was beautiful. I, I I really enjoy this book. I love the mythology. And they they are addressing sort of an interesting topic here, which is like the mistreatment and uh, how how you know how the people are unfair and and horribly treat like people that are any any different at all, right? And this 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 society like even how our main character. She kissed a girl, however innocently it, it was. They were either going to kill her, or she'd have to be married to whomever they choose. And there's a little bit of this with this witch, right? She's ultimately just a sort of um, person that works in herbs and sort of healing, you know, things. Not even really magic or spells. Yeah. And she's trying to help a guy that's trying to fight being homosexual, yeah. right? He's trying to bury that within him, saying that it's the it's a demon. That's making him have these feelings. And so it's like a strange little very old take on how, you know, how people are just being, you know, ridiculous for various things. And how people are a little different or homosexual or whatever it may be. It just seems to be the overall tone. And I love that 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 is sort of a continual continuing thread from our main character to so how she just helps this random witch in this town. But it's a great character development piece, right? Ultimately, all issues have been. Um it was, uh, I would say, more on Brynhild's part, uh, more than than a- Aris, Aris, um, Ad- no, it's Adis, Adis. Sorry, um, um, 
So, essentially, what we learn at the end of this book... Um, well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say too much. What we learn is that there is a there is an overall plan. Yes. And, and Adis saved Brynhild for a reason. Yes. Um, we'll see what happens from here. Tune in, tune in next month for Heathen, issue number five. But I'm loving it. Vault Comics, fantastic. And uh, it's a solid pick every single week it comes out. So get the other three. You will love it. Read it quickly. It's not really dialogue heavy. And it's a ton of fun. And it lives in this sort of gray hue with very lightly colored, which I like that. It's just uh, very interesting looking and different than all the comics you're kind of looking at. But coming in at number four from DC Comics... The Brave and the Mold, Batman, issue number 23. I love just the title of that, The Brave and the Mold, right? But this cover is glorious with Batman and Swamp Thing, and it's just, it's got these tendrils of vines and things that are kind of choking Batman, and flowers that are, that are smashing into his face and whatnot, and it's like, he's being attacked by a butterfly here. Yeah, it was, um, this issue was great. I, I mean... It has Swamp Thing in it, and I mean, Swamp Thing is definitely an underutilized character in the DC Universe. Um, it's written by Tom King, uh, Pencils and Ink by Mitch Gerard. Gerard? 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 Yeah, Gerard, I'm sorry, Mitch. Um, he, yeah, you always give me the hard names, man. I, I don't understand. Um, so essentially, Swamp Thing's dad is killed. Swamp Thing's dad is killed. And Swamp Thing wants some revenge. I mean, from from what it seems, he wants some revenge. And Batman is investigating this. So Swamp Thing jumps in, and it's sort of like a, a DC team-up between Batman and Swamp Thing. Totally. And I, there was an interesting, strange thread of them reading this poem Yeah. over and over again. The father reads this poem, and then Alec reads the Swamp Thing, reads this poem, and it's sort of a repeating sort of little little note, right, in a song that they re- that re- rerun, and you don't understand the, the the poem at first, and you're just and for me when I read poems in a comic, I know I just kind of roll my eyes. I have to, unfortunately, <laughs> but they sort of tie it back in and make it sort of make sense, and it, thankfully it's a very small poem, and it's kind of beautifully kind of it's kind of this beautiful dark poem, so they do a good job at sort of tying it in. But yeah, Swamp Thing's dad is dead. And Swamp Thing arrives in this old, crusty, molded, like, steak on a counter and just sort of walks out of it. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, he comes from the mold. Um, <clears throat> it was um, it was a pretty awesome display of Swamp Thing's powers. Um, like, his whole body comes from this. Like, it was nuts. And he's a big, you know, he's a big mother effer. Um, and, uh... Gordon, uh, Jim Gordon's a little, little, you know, weirded out by this whole situation, but uh, Batman seems completely fine with it. Um, so essentially, Batman brings, um, you know, brings back Swamp Thing to the mansion, and uh, you know, Swamp Thing's all plant, so he left a big mess as he walks, and Alfred has to clean it up, which I thought was kind of messed up, like you know, whatever. But uh. Um, so he cleans up after, you know, the grass stains and the, the dirt that falls off of Swamp Thing. The moss poo. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was gross. Um, so essentially we find out that it is his father and that, um, Swamp Thing wants to help Batman find his killer. So they go out on this, uh, sort of team up. Um, oh, there is a scene where Batman's like drinking a cup of coffee and Swamp Thing like out of his hand 
like makes a cup out of like this flower and like yeah. drips some water in it and drinks it. It was beautiful. Yeah, um, absolutely beautiful. It, a, a good display of his powers. Very Groot esque, you know. Yeah. Um. So, you get the investigation of what Batman is trying to find the killer, and it's sort of a it's a one off story. You know, I don't think we're gonna get a part two to this. No. Um. Like a yeah. So, essentially, um, they they basically find Kite Man. <laughs> oh, that um, was our, yeah, that was our was... favorite panel. That uh, the funniest panel of the week, right? Like, did you laugh out loud yeah. when you read this? And yeah, how did so, you read it? <laughs> so basically, it says Chapter Four, Kite Man, and then it basically has Kite Man flying through the city, and it it goes close up on him alone flying, and he goes, Kite Man, <laughs> like it was hysterical. <laughs> That was great. Like, he's by himself, <laughs> and he's just saying, Kite Man, as he's flying through. <laughs> I loved it, and there was a lot of humor in this. Like, there was another funny scene with Swamp Thing in the Batmobile, remember? Oh, yeah. He's like, why do you have a car? And he was like, you know, why do you have a body? Have a body? <laughs> and so, like, it's just their back and forth. I think it paired really well. I want to see more of it. It it completes this issue. It's very much one and done, but, man, it just stands alone as just this great little team-up, like you said. And beautiful, beautiful art. Mitch Gerads. Gerads, sorry, Mitch. Uh, very dark, right? Very brooding. Very kind of hyper-realistic for Batman. Yeah. Really cool look. And Swamp Thing looked glorious. Like, almost in each scene, he seemed to be alive and moving and changing, right? And the green parts of his body were darker or lighter. And it was just kind of changing. And it was just, it's just gorgeous. But uh, superhero team-up, folks. Batman and Swamp Thing. Check it out. Batman issue 23 is our number four pick of the week. So now we're into the top three. So start us off, Jables, number three, which is our artist winner of the week. What is it? Invincible 136, written by Robert Kirkman, of course, and drawn by our art winner, Ryan Otley. Yes. Um, I, I, I can't like handle that this is coming to an end. There's, It's part four of 12, and it ends on part 12, the whole book. So I can't believe it. I can't believe I, it. I really don't want it to end. I'm, I'm devastated. Um, but this issue was an action-packed cavalcade of gore that was... Cavalcade of carnage. <laughs> cavalcade of carnage. Gore galore. Gore galore. Um, we should hashtag those, start those up. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically Mark uh, and Mark Allen, his dad, and... Um, uh, crap, what's her name? Eve. Uh, Adam Eve. Um, are evacuating a planet yeah. when the Viltrumite Empire, the bad Viltrumite Empire, comes in to, like, Amen. just murder everybody in this swarm of Viltrumite, you know, uh, half-breeds. Um, the action in this is just, it's, it's, it's great. The gore it just adds to that. Um, we've been waiting for this. Yes. We've been waiting for this for a while now. And I start. feel like they build up issues like this uh, Robert Kirkman builds up issues like this for such a long time and it's just like oh finally <laughs> and it, like it, this was beautiful I, I loved this issue you get that camaraderie between the four super uh, like super powered people you know you got you know Mark his dad Alan and Eve and and they're just like just tearing shit up <laughs> uh, it was it was great I loved it and then there was a part two um, it slows. It slows down. Slows like, down a little bit with um, Mark's mom and Oliver, who's who's dead now. His his wife, um, with their two kids, who's basically a cockroach. <laughs> yeah, she's a um, cockroach. Yeah, or like a prawn. Orange, yeah, orange, like a yeah. Cockroach. And so, 
there's a beautiful moment where where um, Mark's mom gets sort of worried and like they run in the room, um, and Tara's like flying around, but Tara breaks down in this moment and starts crying and blaming herself for the death of Oliver. Which she, um, which she witnessed. She yeah, saw she, him tore apart. Yeah, and and that was a brutal, brutal issue. Um, but the fact that it's still emanating in this character is is just heartbreaking. And I love I, Oliver was one of my favorite characters because like I sort of related to him. You know what I mean? Because he was the young kid to Mark's up and coming, like sort of like my uncle essentially, like Bob. Hi, Uncle Bob, if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> He was like me to my Uncle Bob, um, like older, older brother, you know? So I related to him, you know, as a character. When he died, just like tore me apart. And then the fact that it's it's still affecting Tara is just heartbreaking. And then the gore picks back up. <laughs> yes, the, uh, like we said, the, the squiddies from the Matrix are how the Viltrumite Armada, these hybrids with the cricket people, just pour in on them and just try to just pummel them like World War Z style and just massive hordes are just running into them. But they're hitting them so hard and, and Mark is this Viltrumite with human DNA, so he's stronger and tougher skinned and they just shatter into him. And this explosion is cal- this cavalcade of, of carnage and it's just faces pieces of bodies and things flying everywhere right like there's a part where they run into his arm remember that yeah. like and it's just the the his face is just falling apart and smashing and blood goblets are just you know flying into the into space and teeth are sh- are flying out and shattering it's just gory and amazing and fun and i read this like in a minute because yeah. it was just so much fun and very little dialogue and it just paced and moved so well. It's it's man, it's the it's like such an amazing superhero title. Yeah. So this one um essentially what's revealed is is there is a plan. That there is a plan to this carnage and that there is a point to what the you know, they're fighting they're fighting for a reason. They wouldn't stand this sort of attack um if they had a choice, but they they have a master plan that they are enacting because of this. And just a, I, I, still it hurts that this is coming to an end. But great book, loved it. Um, up next at number two is the Flash number twenty-two, which is our cover art winner by Jason Fabic, uh, written. Uh, or it's a DC comic, obviously. So it's written. Um, who is it? Joshua Wilson or Williamson, and um, art by Carmine D. Oh my gosh, dude! Are you serious? You gotta read it. Come on, Carmine D. Gia Domenico. Yes. G- Close enough. G- uh, say it, please. Gin Domenico. So, <laughs> it's the final part to the Button series. Yes. Um, it closes it up. So, it, but it closes it up in a way that we still don't know what the hell's going on. Um, oh, uh, uh, the art was actually by Howard Porter. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so it's Howard Porter. So it's uh, Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. Didn't Why didn't you freaking <laughs> you jerk it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, so the, the final part to the button series, um, I, I mean, a couple of major things that happen in this, right? Yeah. It, we'll, we'll just, we'll tell you one of them really. Cause at the end is a major cliffhanger that everyone's been talking about. Go look at that. You'll see it. People are spoiling it. I'm not going to do that, but it's amazing. Uh, the, the closing, closing of the button series, but the reverse flash, we'll tell you about that one and what happens there, Jables. So he says that he sees God. 
Um, and immediately after that, he like burns up and dies. So in this issue, in glorious fashion. Yeah, in, in this issue, the Flash and Batman are sort of trying to stop him from getting killed, but it's unsuccessful. <laughs> so um, the, this panel of the Reverse Flash being disintegrated is gnarly. My favorite panel of the week, maybe. I mean, ultimate. I did love the Viltrumites uh, swarm. That would be my with Thrag, but maybe this was Reverse Flash disintegrating here was glorious. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was some good art, man. Um, Howard um, Howard Porter, he did some pretty good panels up in this. Um, the the effect for the the um, for like the speed force is interesting. It's it's very like like electricity and like bright colors, and then it it'll slow down once they get into this into like the, these other dimensions, and it'll be dark and heavy, and then you know the reverse flashes death. The rest of the book, honestly, like I don't really want to touch. Because there is some other spoilers. Yeah, there is. There's some there's some major. other major spoilers, um, but essentially, this is a jumping-off point to something bigger, and that's sort of all I can really say without ruining something. I went back and read DC Universe Rebirth, the initial issue a year or so ago, that started this Rebirth series, and you can almost read that and then the Four Button series. <laughs> Because there's a lot of in-between, sure, that was a, a ton of fun, and I read a lot of them. But uh, if you want to sort of just jump in and get caught up really quickly on the Rebirth series and kind of what's happening with sort of the legacy, return to legacy here with DC, read the Rebirth DC Universe and then read the Button series. <laughs> and you're kind of caught up <laughs> in five issues, ultimately. But this was a great end, a huge cliffhanger. Uh, people have spoiled it already, sure, but we're not going to. It's just, uh, it's exciting, it's fun, it's well-drawn, and um, I want to see more of where this goes. They definitely kind of lead you to where you may think it's going, uh, so uh, we may have to wait a while as well, is what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was interesting. I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, obviously, the button uh, means something with the Watchmen. Yeah. Who knows what? Um, I mean, you know, Dr. Manhattan, who knows? Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was great. It was great. So here we go now. After all, the number one pick of the week, the top of the list here. Uh, it's uh, it was fantastic. It's from Image Comics. It's God Country issue number five, and this is uh, drawn by Donny or uh, art by Jeff Shaw and words uh, written by Donny Cates. And this has been a top pick of us. All the issues, they've all been on the great list. Every single one of them. So here we are at number five, and it's number one again with this glorious cover of this uh, this god in the in the horizon. Yeah, and monolith giant style with this hammer, you know, Mjolnir-like hammer and lightning coming off of him in this dark silhouette of this sky in the horizon, and it's beautiful, right? Just glorious. Yeah, it was uh, reminded me a lot of Ares, like the god of war. Um, yeah. So essentially in this book, it is, you, you sort of get the origin of... Um, what's his name? Valifax. Yes. Yeah. So sword. you get the or the, the origin of of the sword Valifax, which is in Emmett's possession now. Um, you learn where it came from, why it was made, um, who it was made for, um, and the detriment that it put this like planet in. Yeah. I thought that was crazy. Um, but yeah, so you, you get that beginning, and then it jumps back in to where we were with Emmett, and it's legit. 
It's very homage to Jack Kirby in the opening sequences here. Very spacey, otherworldly, fantastical feel. It's The coloring is that way as well. Gorgeous coloring and, and very on the Jack Kirby style is what it really was an homage to. But uh, they, they show this God of War Ares is uh, given uh, a hammer and sent down to destroy Emmett. And Emmett doesn't want to give this hammer up. Remember, he has like this Alzheimer's or dementia, this sword up, and he, uh, Valifax, he doesn't want to give it up because he's he's protecting his family. And that's the core of this, right, is his family. And he when he lifts uh, Valifax, he remembers everything, and he doesn't have dementia and Alzheimer's. He's good, and he doesn't want to just give it up. And it's kind of, the story's kind of turned now, right? In, in a way, you're kind of going, look, just just pass on. Like, you know, it's time to, to move on. And, and and give up that sword and let him go back. He's the 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 god of war Ares is not really wanting to fight Emmett here. Yeah. Um essentially Emmett is is sort of just like it's mine. You know? Um Mine. Yeah, mine. mine? Or mine. Yeah. <laughs> mine. 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 Yeah, mine. so um Emmett's son is sort of just like just give it up. Like we'll take care of you. You know, we it doesn't matter, like, you know, we love you no matter what. But Emmett is like, no, like, I got to be there for you. And Emmett is just, nope. And he's tearing it up. Mine. He's tearing it up with this god, though. And the fight that ensues is, like, like world-bending. Like, it was it was great. Um, I think if this would have gone any longer, Emmett would have won. Yeah, I think so. Um, but, you know, something happens. Um... <laughs> But th this family's sort of caught in this turmoil, and Emmett sort of realizes that, like, like, am I not doing good anymore? Like, wh what am I, what am I doing? And essentially, essentially from here, you can tell it might be wrapping up soon. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's six. Yeah. So, I, uh, I mean, I really want Emmett to succeed, but it's like, maybe he, should. maybe he shouldn't, you know, yeah. for the better of his family. But um. I love this book. Yeah. It's a uh, very family oriented. The last, <clears throat> excuse me, last issue had um, some zombies in it, which right. I thought were dope. I want to see them again. So yeah, I kind of want to see some of that again. But this fight was magnificent. Yeah, it was uh, our favorite fight of the week right here in glorious fashion. You know, two gods and this Valifax sword and this Mjolnir. I don't know. Invincible might have beat it for me. You think so? <laughs> I just love the the striking imagery of the golden, you know, Mjolnir like hammer and the bright blue Valifax style, which almost looks like the image symbol. By the way, it just looks <laughs> like a. It could almost be turned into the image symbol, yeah. uh, the publishing house that does this comic. But uh, top notch. I don't want to see it end, but it it definitely has a driving force in here that it's going to be a story that is very much going to end end, not end with an opening. I just feel that coming. And uh, it's every single episode issue of God Country has been a top pick. So go back and see them all. It's totally worth it. Uh, get God Country immediately. It's top-notch, beautiful work. And that is why it's our number one pick of the week. Or Justin's uh, number one was, again, Daredevil. But uh, there you go. Those are, <laughs> those are all of our picks for New Comic Book Day, May 17th. There you have them. That's all of them. And we definitely recommend going to get these at a local comic book shop immediately. Yeah, check everything out. You know, um, just tell them, you know, go to your local comic book shop. Tell them that Justin and Chris sent you. Um, and email us with any questions and whatnot. Any, um, I don't know, any any personal comic book recommendations. 
at Chris at sunspotscomics.com and Justin at sunspotscomic.com. Uh, if we choose your email, we'll discuss it in the podcast. We'll send you a little bit comic uh, comic book prize. Just a thank you from us. Um, please sign up for our newsletter, sunspotscomics.com slash contact. We'll let you know what's going on. You'll be notified about the podcast. Stuff like that. And tune in next week for issue number 108, where we'll be reading a list of 13. Wow, it's a smaller list for next week. 13 comics are coming out next week with five new number ones. So potentially 18 comics is what we'll be reading. And just so you have a little glimpse into what we'll be discussing next week for new comic book day, May 24th for Wednesday, May 24th, Black Hammer issue number nine. Remember Golden Age stuff? That was really super good. Uh, Depth 14, another Batman detective 957. Uh, Heathen is like back to back, which is crazy. Well, that's weird. Oh, okay, never mind. It's an alternate, so no, Heathen's not. Infamous Iron Man, Mother Panic, The Old Guards coming out next week, Plastic number two. Remember that weird plastic? Yeah, that was great. I'm excited for that. The weird serial killer-esque. With. Yeah, with like with like a rubber doll. <laughs> sex doll is yeah. his, his companion. And uh, Redneck again. I, I can't wait to see Redneck. So, so much is coming uh, next week. You just got to tune in. Again, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. And if you really enjoyed the podcast and you want to do a little something to help us out here, just go over to Instagram, give us a five-star review with a little positive blurb. We would really appreciate it. It just moves us up in the ranking and, and on iTunes. It really shows uh, that, our, our, that people are liking our podcast. So do your part if you could. We'd appreciate it. And give us a five-star review on the iTunes. So thank you very much. And thank you so much for, enjo- for listening in. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you go out and buy these comics immediately. They're friggin' amazing, and we'll leave you with the wise words of Mr. Mr. Peter Parker's Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility, and don't forget, we all have that power within us. So, be like water, my friends. Say goodbye, Jables. Later! <laughs> Later. So, see you next week. Thank you again, and uh, be like water. See ya. Bye!
Comics Town. 